Thank you for joining us today on Drawing Near. This podcast is designed to help in drawing near to God through reading God's Word and then applying its truths to our lives. If I can be of assistance to you, feel free to reach out to me through my email address in the description section of this podcast. What does justice look like? It may look very different to each one of us, depending on our perspective. The Bible clearly teaches God is just. He loves justice and pursues justice. In Scripture, a just person is said to be a righteous person. Today on Drawing Near, a murderer is set free and an innocent man, a sinless man, takes his place. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 23 and study, A Sinner Goes Free. And as we prepare for today's study, let's pray together. And our Father in heaven, as we come before you, we acknowledge your presence, not only in our lives, but in the world, for you are God of all creation. You own the earth and everything that's in it. And Father, we are thankful that you are our God, that you have made us aware of your presence, of your divinity, of your power, of your mercy and your grace. And Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to the truths of this passage, that we would see in ourselves Barabbas that we would see in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin our study today by reading Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 13. Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, he said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. No, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him, and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him, for it was necessary for him to release one of them at the feast. So as the Lord Jesus Christ continues to be shuffled back and forth from this court, from this potentate, to another, He finally arrives back at Pilate, and from here he will be moved to the cross eventually. But when he gets back to Pilate, Pilate addresses the chief priests, the rulers, and the people. He addresses all of those who had brought Jesus to him initially and said that he was deserving of death, that he was a criminal, that he was a danger to the people of Israel. And Pilate's response to them, his judgment, his official judgment, is that you had brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, or in fact, having examined him in your presence, not privately, not secretly, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. In other words, Pilate says, he is innocent as far as I can tell. He also goes on and says, no, neither did Herod, for I sent you back to him, and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. So Pilate and Herod agree that Jesus was innocent. Now, you know that. I know that. But it's important that we recognize that Jesus is being falsely accused, that he is not going to the cross based on the accusations concerning himself. Why is he going to the cross? Well, point one is the corruptness of the Sanhedrin court, the priests, the rulers, and the people. Their corruptness is continuing to push this thing forward. It's amazing that the people of God, the Jewish people, in their corruptness, 
are trying to crucify Jesus and ungodly individuals, Roman leaders, Pilate and Herod, are trying to set him free. And so Pilate thinks he can arrive at a compromise. He says in verse 16, I will therefore chastise him and release him. Now remember, Jesus is innocent. He doesn't deserve the cross, and he doesn't deserve to be chastised. Yet Pilate is willing to do this with everything Jesus has already endured, the beatings, the mockeries, the shifting back and forth, the suffering. He's willing to chastise him as an accommodation to these people. But then he wants to release him. Because during the Passover, when these things took place, it was the custom to release an individual to the Jewish people. In verse 18, we're told, and they all cried out at once. They immediately together cried out, away with this man and release to us Barabbas. We want this innocent guy killed. Now notice who Barabbas is in verse 19. It is Barabbas who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city, in the city of Jerusalem, not just around Israel, which means the people of Jerusalem knew this guy and knew his crimes. He was thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Pilate was willing to release Jesus and crucify Barabbas, but the people cried out for the release of Barabbas, a murderer, a rebel, and they wanted Jesus crucified. Pilate, verse 20, therefore wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them, but they shouted, saying, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate again tries to release Jesus. Pilate knows that this is wrong, and he's in charge. He doesn't have to listen to them, but he wants to appease them. He wants to release Jesus, but he also doesn't want to go against these people lest they riot and bring an accusation to Rome, and he lose his position. They shouted even more, not only for his death, but to specify by how they wanted him to die. Crucify him, crucify him. Verse 22, Then he, Pilate, said to them the third time, Why, what evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. Do you see how hard Pilate is trying to release the Lord Jesus Christ? How firmly he believes in his innocence? How much he is invested in Jesus' release? But verse 23 says, But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priest prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And they released to them the one they requested, Barabbas, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, and he delivered Jesus to their will, to the cross. Do you see what God has done here? Barabbas clearly represents all of sinful humanity. All of us who stand convicted before God because we are sinners. We're not just sinners. We are guilty. We are guilty of lying and adultery, of hatred in our hearts. We are guilty of all sin. And James tells us when we're guilty of just one part, we're guilty of the whole law as lawbreakers. Barabbas knew he was guilty. He knew that he was a rebel and a murderer. And he knew he was going to be crucified. I cannot begin to understand or comprehend the torment that Barabbas had to be going through while he was awaiting his crucifixion. 
He'd already been found guilty. He knew what was going to take place. And yet, before he was crucified, he was set free. Someone took his place. I can't imagine that Barabbas thought himself worthy of being set free. And I'm not trying to put on Barabbas any spiritual significance as to whether or not he confessed or repented or trusted in Jesus. I'm just simply saying a sinner was released and a righteous man, an innocent man, took his place. That's what Jesus has done for each one of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus took our place. He bore our sin, our stripes. He bore our transgression. He became guilty in our place so that we could become innocent based on faith in Jesus Christ. We need to see this. So much of the time, I think we just walk away thinking that we are good sinners, that we are not as bad as what the Bible says. Yeah, we're sinners. Yeah, we've made some mistakes. We've taken some missteps. But to be guilty of eternal condemnation, to be worthy of hell, not me, not you, right? Wrong. A righteous, holy, and just God condemns us in his word. And this righteous, holy, just God, in love, mercy, and grace, paid for our sin. We did not get off scot-free. He paid for our sin with the blood of Jesus Christ. Sin demands judgment. Sin demands blood. And Jesus bore our sin, took our shame and our judgment. He shed his blood in our place. And if we, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, will repent and follow him, we can be saved. That's what the scripture clearly teaches. It's not enough just to believe in Jesus. Yes, we need to believe in him. We need to put our faith in him. We need to trust in him. But God, from Genesis to Revelation, calls his people to himself, to righteousness and holiness. We need to walk in the righteousness that Jesus imputes to us. God doesn't compromise. He requires us to follow Jesus in faith, and faith results in righteousness. We trust God, we hear God, we do what God says. You cannot logically show anything else in the scriptures. We need to know this. I praise the Lord for the Lord Jesus' sacrifice. I praise the Father for his great love, mercy, and grace, his long-suffering toward us. We need to, in love, We need to, in faith, embrace all that God calls us to through faith in Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, thank you for this passage. Thank you for this picture, this revelation, this manifestation of your will and your desire. And help us, Father, to follow Jesus Christ in faith, believing, living, growing, and maturing. Help us to be mature and complete as you are. Help us to love as you love. Help us to be holy as you are holy. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City based on the truth that if we will draw near to God, He will draw near to us.